proud members of the Dread Podcast Network. <laughs> I am the writing on the wall, the whisper in the classroom. I'm Marjorie Green, and I approve this message to save America, stop socialism, and stop China. Stay the fire we honor thee from life to death, Doubters, the doomsters, the gloomsters, they are going to get it wrong. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Nowhere. Because there's no one like you left. What do we want? What do we want it? I want you to know that the movement we started is only just beginning. Sometimes, that is better. How do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? You make plans for things. Life happens. I want to live a bigger life. We are so glad to welcome you to another edition of Horror Hookups on Friday the 13th Horror Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, Horror Hookups are special episodes offering interviews with people from the industry, authors, directors, paranormal investigators, Sasquatch hunters. We've literally had them all. Uh, Today, we welcome the legend herself, Barbara Crampton. In her most recent release, Barbara stars in Jacob's Wife as Anne. Married to a small-town minister, Anne feels her life has been shrinking over the last 30 years, but a chance encounter with the master brings her a new sense of power and an appetite to live bolder. However, the change may come with a heavy body count. Distributed by RLJE Films, Jacob's Wife is available on demand now, and we are so happy to have the star herself here with us today. Barbara Crampton, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Maddie and Andrew. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Barbara, I say this with sincerity. It is an honor to have you on our show. And in an October feature for Entertainment Weekly, you described yourself as an ambassador to the horror genre. Now, we'd of course agree. So we'd love for you to tell us and our listeners, what's important about this genre to you? Why be an ambassador and encourage other people to consider it? Well, the horror genre has, uh, for a long time, been a place where outcasts and misfits felt comfortable. And people who are just starting out in the industry very frequently get their teeth wetted by uh, making horror films and starting in the genre. So I think it's, for a lot of reasons, a place of new beginnings and a place where everyone is welcome And I'd like to think that the horror community is as inclusive as I know it to be. And it continues to be through all the problems that we have in our culture and our society and the world. I feel like this is the best genre for the fans. This is a genre where people really can come together and feel a wonderful sense of community. That's awesome. Um, Before you start in films, you know, like Reanimator, From Beyond, or any of your many, many credits, uh, were you a horror fan before that? And what kind of movies did you grow up with? I I wouldn't actually say that I was a horror fan, but I watched movies that were horror 
and watch television shows that I really liked a lot, but I didn't realize that horror was my home until just recently, really. Um, <laughs> I grew up watching Dark Shadows from the time I was about oh, yeah. 11 years old. Every day after school, I would ride my bicycle home as fast as I could. School got out at 2.50, and Dark Shadows start, started at 3 o'clock, so I would hurry along so I, I wouldn't miss anything. Um, and I grew up also watching Night Gallery, um, The Outer Limits, things like that. But when I was really young, I guess the performers and, and the movies that I watched the most were movies that also came on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. That's what I did. I didn't do my homework. I just came home and I watched TV. Um, but I used to watch The Million Dollar Movie, and that was on WPIX on Long Island in New York. And it would be an old movie every day at 4 o'clock. And usually it was with people like Miriam Hopkins and Betty Davis and Danny Kaye. And those were the people that I grew up watching. It was those, you know, 40s movie stars. Um, but I, I do think that it was just a premonition of things to come because I did love uh, Dark Shadows and here I am, you know, uh, having a, a horror movie with a vampire in it coming out. <laughs> and... Um, so maybe it was a sign of things, but I, I, you know, I just, I think I was an actress just in the beginning of my career and, and I was fortunate enough to be in Stuart Gordon's reanimator and then he kept hiring me and then other people hired me for horror films. And then I really realized after I took a break, when I came back with your next and saw the outpouring of love from the fans and I had really been away from the genre and just from acting for many years, uh, I realized that I, belong to a group that I didn't know I was a part of. And um, that's when I really sort of re-embraced my career and my acting and the horror genre in general. And so I, I'd say for the past 10 years, I, I would say that um, I am, you know, I am one of its ambassadors and I have become somebody who wants to champion new people uh, working in the genre and, and anybody that wants in, let's let's try to work something out. And I'm really fond of working with new young filmmakers and new voices. And um, I just think it's the best genre around. There's something so incredible about thinking about the child Barbara Crampton watching Dark Shadows. <laughs> and just like you said, zipping forward in these years and and being in this movie about what is essentially a vampire. That's just that's so cool. Thank you for sharing that, Barbara. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. For, for Andrew and I, we've we've actually both just seen um, uh, both of your your recent films, Sacrifice and Jacob's Wife. Um, and both, oh. of course, are, are totally great. Um, but we want to ask you a little bit about Jacob's wife to begin. Um, it's a really interesting exploration of faith, of uh -huh. marriage, of fidelity, and of the position of women in relationships. Uh -huh. when, when you first read the script, what did you think? Yeah, I, th I think you're right. As much as it is a horror story, it, it's, it's also about... Uh, you know, a woman feeling like her life had passed her by and wanting to reclaim some of her youth and some of the things that she may have missed. But it's also a story about a marriage and how do these two people 
communicate with one another in an effective way so that each one feels like they're being heard. And for a very long time, Anne has felt like she hasn't been heard and she's been there supporting her husband. And so as much as Anne goes through a transformation in the film after she's bitten and she gains this new zest for life and she wants things to be different in, in her world, her husband also has to grapple with the changes and he alters his perception of the world as he comes to understand what Anne is going through. So it's as much a feminist story as it is about a marriage. Mm -hmm. And um, of course we also want to entertain you. So there's a lot of sprays of blood and (laughs) gore and stuff like that for the hardcore horror fans. So we're trying to give everybody a little bit of something. And and I, I have to say too, for horror fans out there, you know, you know that this is about a vampire. One of the things I really appreciated about the film is that this is sort of a return to that Nosferatu style vampire. Mm-hmm. You know, this is not like pretty Anne Rice, everyone looks beautiful kind of thing. So it's it's really brutal. And so trust mm-hmm. me, while, while we're talking about some deeper themes here, mm-hmm. this is going to give you a lot of blood. Trust that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it's kind of impossible to escape kind of the husband and wife dynamics that Anne and Jacob uh, kind of go through in the film. Um, why did you think it was important to kind of highlight those things in the dynamic in our modern world? Thank you for asking that. That's a really good question. And I do believe that the dynamics between men and women, the interpower plays between them, the give and take, the communication, the support, one person feeling left out, one person having, uh, taking up more space, if you will, in the conversation. These, these, um, things that we grapple with in relationship, this theme of how we are together in a union and is, is as old, how we deal with it is as old a question and as eternal as vampirism itself. And I don't think that we ever truly get a handle on it. Just when we think we do, something changes and, and we have to revisit and reevaluate our relationship and ourselves and how we're communicating. And I think we're always trying to be better people and better partners. And I fall short many times. And I know my husband falls short a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we all do. So we, it's, it's important to realize that this is an ongoing conversation that really never ends. Um, in a relationship and and equality, especially with women, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, always thinking that, oh, we finally have equality. And um, every time we look around the corner, something rears its ugly head and reminds us, uh, no, actually, we don't. And we have to keep fighting for our rights and for for, um, a more even playing field. Amen to that. Uh, now, Barbara, we're going to go from that really serious question to probably the most ridiculous question, which listeners will know is going to come from me, of course. Um, so one of one of my favorite touches in the film, and it's so silly, but it's the ridiculous workout video that Anne does every morning. It just made me, it made me laugh for some reason. Yeah. So literally, I just have to know, did you have that audio on set or was that all post-production? Oh, that was on set. Travis oh, found God. that from somewhere and, and got the rights for it. And we were able to license it to use it. Um, no, it kind of reminds me of um, 
who was that? Who was that old uh, star that um, used to do the workout? Jane Fonda. Jane, it's, it's like a Jane Fonda totally, workout yes. session. Didn't it remind you of that? Yeah, oh my for God. Sure. Yeah, so, it was such or, a throwback. Or like sweating with the oldies, you yes. know? Or jazzercise. Um, or jazzercise, something like that. So, so what we tried to do with Anne when we were working on the characterization of all the characters is, is give her some things that made her feel like she was stuck in another era, that she hadn't moved on with the times. And there was little touches like that of her exercising to something really old fashioned and her macrame, she's doing macrame. That was something that I did in the seventies that was popular in the seventies. So we peppered that in a little bit. Gardening of course is eternal, but, um, just little, little things like that and how I was dressed was very old fashioned and, you know, not really with the times because it's, it's as if time had passed her by. (laughs) <laughs> now, gardening may still be in fashion, but I don't think yeah. eating the worms out of the garden is in fashion. <laughs> yeah. <so. laughs> yeah. Did you struggle with any of those um, different things? Like, you know, obviously there's a ton of blood that gets sprayed all over. Yeah. There's there's death. There's eating of worms. There's yeah. puking. I mean, did you have any problems with any of those things? Or does that just kind of come second nature to you now? You know, uh, that worm, and since your listeners... I'll, you know, or here, I'll, I'll give them a little insider information The the worm that I had to eat was kind of a gummy worm that they painted to make look like a real worm. It was candy. And then, and then the inside the dirt, they crumpled up gluten, I'm gluten-free, gluten-free Oreos. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then they mixed it with something else that it wouldn't look so black. So that it would look a little brown. And then they made a little pad for it you know and mixed it all in so that I could actually grab it it felt like I was eating a treat um so that wasn't that wasn't too terribly bad for me to eat that. so, um, so the there, the, the yeah. dentist the dentist was wrong it wasn't dirt it was Oreos <laughs> it was Oreos yeah but the, but there was a lot of blood in the movie and there's the one scene where I bite the neighbor's head off and blood goes everywhere and let me tell you as an actor I was not prepared for that scene. I didn't know how much blood there was going to be. And we couldn't practice it because we were going to get the kitchen completely drenched. And it took us two hours to clean it up. So we only had one chance. These are the the moments in filmmaking where it, it makes you feel like a nervous wreck. Because not only do you have to try to look good in the scene and hit the marks of where they want you to be and make sure the camera sees what's happening on screen and you're not blocking it with your hair or your face or whatever. Um, we want the gag to play. Mm-hmm. So we went through it many, many times and rehearsed it without doing it. And then they said, okay, we're going to do it. I didn't know how much blood was going to come out. Oh, the neighbors had a- And all of a sudden there was this, you know, huge gush of blood. I, I was as shocked as Anne was in that scene. So the look on my face is like, holy crap, there's this whole lot of blood. But I, you know, I had to keep going with the scene and just play it. And I was like, wow, at the end, I, I was like, kudos to you guys. You really went for it. And maybe it was better they didn't tell me how much blood it was going to be. Right. It made it more realistic. 
One of the quotes that Anne has is uh, right when um, Jacob comes home one night after her change, and she says, oh, good, you're home, get changed, mm-hmm. I'd like to go out. Anne, you know, changes quickly after the creature holds her in its spell. Uh, in some ways with her change, Anne is granted a new freedom from her husband, but in other ways, she is now simply under the spell of a different creature. Mm-hmm. In, in fact, a lot of what is explored in the film is the aspect of control. Who has it? Who doesn't? Uh, what do you hope audience will kind of take away from this movie with that? Well, it's funny because I think in life, we all feel like perhaps we're accountable to others. We're accountable to our parents. Then we're accountable to our job. We're accountable to our church. If we go to church, um, we're accountable as a citizen in America. And we're, so we're accountable to God, you know, if I, if I say religion or whoever it is, the self or, you know, whatever you believe. And I believe it all. Um, but I think too often people are afraid and they think that they need to ask permission for things. And, and one of the themes in, in the film is that Anne feels like her husband is kind of, uh, you know, the head of the household and in control. And then she, she kind of goes towards the feeling of what the master is bringing to her And she thinks in her mind and in her heart that that she's going to have to make a choice. It's either going to be her husband or it's going to be the master. But in fact, the master, played by the wonderful Bonnie Ahrens, tells her, no, the choice has always been yours. Mm -hmm. You, You have the ability to choose and you don't have to trade one master for another. And that's why I wanted you. I I chose you over others because I saw your potential. And so Anne has an awakening to herself through the master realizing that no, she doesn't, she doesn't have to be beholden to Jacob or to the master. The only one she has to be beholden to is herself. And I think so often in life we're, we're afraid and we don't take those risks and those chances. And, um, I've been saying this all week. I have a friend who's a psychologist, and he told me many, many, many years ago, and I never forgot it, that people make more decisions based on fear. Oops, that's my phone. Hello. (laughs) I'm getting a text. Sorry about that. You're fine. Um, (laughs) People make more decisions based on fear than they do on love. And isn't that a sad state of reality of the human condition? But that's true. We make more decisions based on fear. So if we're fearful... We're not taking chances. We're not taking those risks. And if people are constantly telling us that we have to be accountable to this person or to that person, then how do, how do you break out of that? How do you take those risks? And I think this film is asking us to do that. I mean, listen, this is a silly, fun, over-the-top horror movie, but, you know, we layered in some very deep themes here. Oh, yeah. um, and at the end of the film... You know, I don't know if some of your listeners will have seen it or not, but um, there's a possibility that Anne, you know, is is going to make some some very risky decisions at at the very end of the movie, and there's a possibility that the master, played by Bonnie Aarons, is still alive. There's a um, 
there's a hint of that at the end with the rat that's scurrying, you know, mm-hmm. her cloth at the, at the end. And, and we don't really know what Anne is going to do or how Jacob's going to respond at the end of the film. And, um, that's why we're going to make Jacob's wife too. Yes. <laughs> hey, and you know, Barbara, I'm glad you mentioned Bonnie Aaron's because mm-hmm. one of the things that I really love about Jacob's wife is that women drive this horror film. I think it's awesome. Yeah. And you know, it's true. It's, it's absolutely true. I mean, that was intentional. Yeah. Good. And of course, you know, there's you, but of course you mentioned Bonnie Aaron's too, who mm-hmm. plays the master, the master for listeners. You, you're going, I bet that you will also find the master to be a bit of quasi ambiguous gender, right? Oh yes, um, I think so. Oh yeah. And ju- just a reminder for folks too, Bonnie Aaron's played the nun in the conjuring universe. So, you know, Bonnie Aaron's, and Barbara, you know, you've been in film for a long time. How have you seen the industry and specifically the horror genre change for women? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also want to highlight Naisha Bell, who is the young Yes, girl who totally. She's so good. She's so good. And this was her first big film. And um, she also has some things to say about equality and about women and um, I thought she was just really, really delicious in the film. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to call her delicious, she was. Anyway, um, yeah, I, I think I will say that the horror genre has given women a lot of really wonderful roles from from the beginning of time. Really, I mean, we've had some great roles, and um, and that continues to this day. I do think that you see us. You know, you have seen us as heroes in in earlier movies in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s up until now. And that continues to be true as well. Um, what I notice, especially in films that I was in in the 80s, is that there was a there was a very exploitive nature to how women were portrayed on screen. And I've done a lot of reading about it. And I and I I understand from people's points of view that a woman seems to be more vulnerable as a, you know, as a gender seems to be. And so a woman in peril, vulnerable, uh, you know, and potentially, you know, exploited and in, in, with nudity and things like that seems very, you know, metaphorically naked and metaphorically, oh, we need to come in and clothe her and save her and, and whatever. But, um, I do think that there there has been obviously the male gaze has been written about for a long time. We're getting away from that now a little bit more and I do think the stories have been smarter over the past number of years and we are portraying scenes from a different point of view and not just from maybe what a man would like to see himself as the savior on screen or saving a woman or maybe like to be titillated by, you know, seeing somebody who's female and vulnerable and naked on screen. I think that our, our storytelling has gotten more interesting and more layered and we just can't, we can't be that base about the genre anymore. We really have to, um, we really have to move on from that. And I think, I think viewers are more sophisticated in what, they want to see and and I think the storytelling is is falling in line with what with what the audiences want to see so I do think that that it as a whole the way women are portrayed on screen 
has gotten much, much better and it continues to get better as, as more women uh, are holding the reins and holding, you know, places of power and decision. For sure. So, <clears throat> you you know, you've worked in all sorts of different roles in your horror career, you know, from as crazy as reanimator and from beyond to more subtle roles like we are still here and you're next. Um, of these different kinds of characters, do you find yourself drawn to one over the other? Or do you find it's empowering to kind of do it all? Um, I think it's empowering to do it all. I've actually always thought that I was a character actress from... Mm-hmm my early days of college and studying theater, I played a lot of different kinds of roles. I played, um, I played in this, in this, uh, man of La Mancha. I played in man of La Mancha. I played in, I played the mad woman of Chaillot. I, I played so many different kinds of roles and I, and I like comedy and I like horror and I like, I like drama and I like romance and, and I, I would just like to play as many facets of the human condition as I possibly could. Um, so I, I just look for an interesting story. Mm-hmm. And the story means more to me than my own particular character, although I, I do want to see some trajectory with my character, some sort of beginning, middle, and end. But if it's a good story and I can hold even a small part in it, I'll do it. I just recently did a movie, a little part, just a couple of days on this film called Snow Valley. And it's a comedy thriller, and it was written so beautifully. The script is amazing. And I really have just a small part. It's a very fun role. But I did it because the script is so good. Mm -hmm. And, And I really liked all the people involved. And so I don't care. I'm, I'll be a spear carrier. I'll play a smaller part. I, I don't. I don't care as long as the story and the script is good and they have a great vision for it. Um, I just want to help make help people tell their stories. Now, speaking of different facets, you were a producer on the film, uh, as well as a, a couple of other credits for films like Beyond the Gates and the recent reimagining of Castle Freak. Now, are there other aspects of sort of like beyond the behind the scenes sort of stuff that you'd like to try, like directing, for example? Well, people have been asking me that all week. Um, I, I, I'm interested in it, but I really, since I've come back to acting with your next, I'm having a ball. I'm having a great time doing a few projects a year and I think when you are directing a film, there's so much development that goes into it and you're with one project for two years, it's going to stop me from maybe doing roles for a couple of years because I'll be so embroiled in directing something. Um, I'm also enjoying this new hyphen that I have, being a producer and helping other people. I mean, really, it goes back to helping other people tell their stories. And and nurturing them along. And I really, really enjoy that. I really enjoy working on material and trying to match directors with material and honing it on a script and then having the writers go back and do more work on it. And, you know, all of that takes time. It can take a year or two or, you know, it, it takes, a, it takes a long time to, to really nurture a project. And I feel like with producing and, and acting, I can sort of come mm-hmm. and go a little bit more, but a director has to be so single-minded on one sure. on one project for so long. 
uh, that being said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out doing a short and I've been talking to some people maybe about doing that in the future. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see that that could happen. So you also recently worked on Sacrifice that we mentioned before, um, mm-hmm. a horror a horror film that was set in Norway of all places, and you actually filmed on set on I mean on location, excuse me. Yeah. Um, that had to have been an amazing experience. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yes, it was filmed in Norway, and it was just one of the most beautiful, idyllic places I've ever been. Um, the story feels very Lovecraftian also feels a little wicker man-ish about this couple that goes to an isolated island and he's going to collect his inheritance of a house that was left to him when his mother passed away. But the island has secrets of its own and really doesn't want them to leave. And uh, the boy, who's now grown up into a man and the couple that comes... Um, he's part of the history of the island and we really can't let, let them leave. And I played the head of a cult (laughs) and it was really a fun role for me to play that, um, and sort of be the seemingly on the surface, nice, supportive, helpful person, but behind the scenes, something else is going on. So, um, and I, and then I had to have a Norwegian accent and that was really fun to work on that, too. It was so good. We both really, really loved it. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. So, you know, we have to know, and our listeners do, too, what's next for one of the matriarchs of horror? What's mm-hmm. next up for Barbara Crampton? Well, I don't know. I'm working. There's a cut. So I have, like, three or four scripts that I've been nurturing along, and it seems like a few of them are going to go uh this year at least two of them anyway um and one of them a really special one that i have in my hip pocket is is one that i would help produce and there's a really nice role for me actually there's two movies there's two movies one movie is a really nice role for me not i mean in jacob's wife i'm playing a sort of um you know a typical sort of iconic character of a vampire and then in this in this other movie that I'm thinking of, I would play some, another sort of iconic horror character. So I'm looking forward to that. And then there's another film, um, that would star a lot of my contemporaries, female contemporaries, people like, I don't know if these would be the people, but people like Ashley Lawrence or Caroline Williams or Tiffany Sheppis or, you know, people that are my friends, um, Kelly Maroney, Heather Langenkamp, and um, there's really some beautiful, wonderful roles for about five or six women. And this one means a lot to me to give some older women uh, really juicy roles. They're all great roles, and I love the story so much. But it need the script and the development process for for it needs a little more work. So I'm really heavily working on that. I don't know if that's going to be ready to shoot this year, maybe next year. Um, but I also have a couple of other movies that don't have parts for me at all, but I love the story so much and I love the directors that um, I'm, I'm happy to just help them realize their dream and, and their vision. So working on those two. That's great. Uh, well, Barbara, thanks so much again for being on Friday the 13th. Yeah. We really, really appreciate it.
Thanks, you guys. So happy to talk to you both. Yes, listeners, you. listeners, remember you can stream Jacob's Wife starting April 16th on demand. And don't forget to check out Sacrifice from Epic Pictures and Dread Presents. Thanks so much again for joining us on another horror hookup. As always, we invite you to come with us and get, get slayed. slayed.